Let me read Jeremiah 31. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Once more they shall use these words in the land of Judah and in its towns when I restore their fortunes. The Lord bless you, O abode of righteousness, O holy hill. And Judah and all its towns shall live there together, and the farmers and those who wander will with their flocks. I will satisfy the weary, and all who are faint I will replenish. Thereupon I awoke and looked, and my sleep was pleasant to me. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of humans and the seed of animals. And just as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy and bring evil, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. In those days, they shall no longer say the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But all shall die for their own sins. The, the teeth of everyone who eats sour grapes shall be set on edge. Isn't just beautiful stuff, guys? You're loving this? This is rich. Um, the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with them with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put more, my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin. No more. Amazing. Yeah. Right here in this kind of scripture from the prophet Jeremiah, we're situated in a time where the Babylonians, the evil, the, the bad guys, these are the bad guys. They've come and um, ransacked Jerusalem. They've taken a bunch of people out of uh, Jerusalem, majority uh, of the, the, the affluent people, the privileged people, kind of the kings and uh, the nobles. They've taken them out of Jerusalem and taken them into Babylon. And here, Jeremiah is speaking into... He's, Jeremiah is still in Jerusalem, but he's speaking to a people who have experienced war, have experienced true heartache, true pain, who have, have been marred and disfigured by war, who, who experience this grief and anxiety constantly, who have... Babylonian soldiers and guards around who have kind of lived in this abundance of God's blessing and God was being for them but now because of their evil because of what they've done they've been forsaken they've, they've left their first love in God and the Babylonians have come taken them into exile part one of this exile move and so this is a difficult time for the people of Israel that Jer Jeremiah is speaking into. It's a difficult time that they're faced. 
And uh, a time that we, you know, we can ask ourselves, how, how do we think of God in the midst of our uncertainty? This is kind of a, a view of how Jeremiah sees God at work in and through the, uh, the Israelite people. And we're going to kind of unpack a little bit of it. But a question begs us is, how do we think of God when we're going through unrest? How do we see God when we're going through difficulty? How do we, how is our image of God shaped by our circumstances? by our life around us? How, how do when we face these difficulty in life, are we going, God, how, I, how do I see you? Do I see you with, I don't want to even go near you? Or do I see you bringing hope? Do I see you like, oh, that, that's just too much work right now? Or do I see you going, God, you're my only answer? That question begs us in a time of difficulty, unrest, of how do we see God? And so today we're going to be talking about prayer uh, and in the next, next few weeks and over dinner church and some following weeks, we're going to be talking digging into prayer uh, and see prayer is more than just this sacred space in the morning for your morning devotion. Prayer is this lifestyle that we're invited into. And particularly prayer is a part of our story. It's a part of our journey. And so this kind of, these passages, we're un, un, unlocking and, and trying to see a glimpse into Jeremiah's view of God, but it's unlocking his story, a story, a narrative that is at work uh, about how God works in the midst of our lives and how prayer, how our connection and communication with God works and weaves into our lives. Prayer is not just this one kind of moment in our day or maybe in our week. Prayer is engaging in God in our lives. It's, it's like the Apostle Paul writes to the Church of Thessalonica, pray without ceasing. It's that phrase that we know of when we're like, is that ever achievable? Praying without ceasing. But this is the lifestyle that God le- leads us into is a life of, of recognizing that prayer is not just this one-off moment, but it is about us engaging prayer into our story, into our lives. It's about trusting and opening our our lives. It's about this faith that, God, we actually believe in you to be the answer for me in the situation that I'm going through. This is what prayer is about. It's about bringing him into our story, into who we are and trusting him, opening up our lives. It means that as we're walking out the steps of our day, you know, we're not always just going to have these lovely prayer moments every single, you know, it's about just engaging. God, I just trust you. God, I just trust you. And this is, you know, we're talking about ideals here. No, we're not talking about everyday perfection. We just need to be in this blissful, God, I trust you every single moment. Uh, um, you know, we, we're trying to be realistic, but also this is our ideal. This is what we're chasing. We're chasing this vision of God. I actually want to let you into these moments that are difficult. And I want you into these moments that are tough. Prayer. Prayer is about this intimacy with God. And we talked about this a few weeks ago um, at a dinner church night about intimacy. This deep connection with God. That we actually are showing the, the deep emotions of our lives. The deep emotions that are difficult and, and hard and you know, loneliness and, and worry and stress, but also the emotions of joy. It's this intimacy that we have with God. An intimacy that is marked by our trust in Jesus. Our trust in Him. A trust that is led through a life of surrender. 
laying down who we are and a surrendered life that impacts how we live and treat others. This is kind of the glimpse of who we are. It's this intimacy that kind of mar- it's marred by trust. We, we do this by trusting Jesus. This trust leads to a surrendered life. And when we're surrendered to him, it actually changes how we live. When we're surrendered to Jesus, it actually should change how we treat people. It should just, you know, not always all at once. Gradually, we're working, you know, on bits and pieces as God continues to change at us. But we should be just growing in how we see others and how we live our lives and how we let God work through us. Prayer impacts our story. So it's, it's great when we see God in the midst of exile and difficulty, when we can be comforted by God. That's, this is you know, beautiful to see, but also um, I think it's important to recognize in, an, in like an exile period, why did this happen? What was the thing that actually, why? Is because in the good times, the people failed to see God. In the good times, the times that everything was blissful, they failed to recognize God. They worshipped idols. They worshipped false gods. They got comfortable in their own way of seeing the world. They got comfortable in what the culture was doing around them. They got comfortable in, in you know, all these other nations have all these other gods. Why, why do we just have to have, let's just bring them into the temple. They got comfortable in the good times when things are all working. They failed to see God. This is what led to that exile moment. And so... Whether we feel like we're in an exile time and things are just not working well, we're feeling this unrest in our lives, we can be comforted by God. But then whether we feel like we're in good times and things are going well, it's important to go, God, where do you have me? What are you calling for me to do? How are you calling me to live? You know, yesterday we were just at at the markets, at some Subi farmers markets, good, good times. And um, there's been multiple times where I've been in, in larger gatherings and I'm like, how, how amazingly blessed are we in Perth? Like to, to be in a situation where we basically, life is normal, where majority of the world is still facing, um, you know, extreme things going on in, in this pandemic. Where Melbourne, you know, still in lockdown, feels like forever Melbourne has been in lockdown. They, I think by the end of uh, COVID, they will be the most locked down city in the world. It's crazy. Um, uh, and yeah, what they have to basically deal with on a daily basis, we have just no idea. We were, we're so blessed to be in the city. Um, and, you know, yesterday was just a beautiful day. Uh, and it's just like, how amazingly blessed are we? And sometimes it's easy to take for granted the good times that we are in. It's easy to take for granted this oh, blissful God is good, you know, things are happening and not actually be challenged by how God is stirring something new in us, stirring something to go deeper in him. These good times aren't just for us to feel good and go, yeah, what is, you know, it's, it's part of that. We should feel joyful. Um, yep, <laughs> it's, it's joyful. It's exciting. We can have the prelim in Perth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can have the, the grand final in Perth. Oh, days are exciting. Um, the footy is around the corner. That's it. Uh, Just like being in Melbourne. Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> don't. It's, yeah, you don't want to say that. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so there's, there's good times, but then we can, in those moments, we should be filled with joy, yes, but then also uh, we, we can't just grow content and comfortable in the place of just then, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll go with the flow. We won't really deepen who we are in God. We won't really deepen our relationship with Him because everything's just working. Everything's happening. Uh, and so what we are, need to be invited into is just continual places of actually surrendering who we are to Him. And that's more difficult when it's going, all going well. It's easier when it's, it's, it's hard. Because what, what other option do we have other than surrender? But in these times when it's good, uh, we are invited into that place of trust, that intimacy with him. And so God's call to intimacy, the thing is it's, it's quiet and soft. We, we want God to like slam the door and go, come on let me in and let me do something in your life but god's quiet and soft i don't don't know about you but i when i feel like god leading me and pulling me to come nearer to him it's not this like oh i just desperately need to do it all the time like it's it's like this quiet Mm -hmm. soft just draw near to me and it's in those moments where we actually choose whether it's in the morning it's just this draw, no, just pull away from your phone and draw near to me. Whether it's during your day in the busyness and hecticness of the day, it's just this quiet, just draw, draw near to me. Whether it's at night where you feel like you want to just binge on Netflix, it's just this quiet, just, just draw near to me. There's these, these moments where God softly, lightly taps at that door, inviting us in and so in the tough times or the good times what will we choose to do how will we choose to grow closer to god and so here in in this kind of passage and this prophetic kind of declaration by the prophet jeremiah we see four things that i want to point out and four things that are are kind of even part of the, the roadblocks that we have to when we encounter, when, when, when we want to get into places of prayer, these roadblocks. Firstly, we see that God's desire is us. God's desire is us. His desire is us. His desire is us. His desire is you. He wants to draw closer to you. And if you read, um, and you know, I didn't want to read the full chapter of chapter 31, but if you read the first half of it from verse 1 to 22, you'll see these key points where God is showing himself as his des- him desiring us. You see him from verse 3 to 4, it shows God wooing like a lover, wooing us like a lover. From verse 7 to 9, you see God caring like a father. A father who just cares for us. In verse 10 to 14, you see God protecting us like a shepherd, protecting us and keeping us safe. And from verse 15 to 22, you see God weeping like a mother. These emotions that God goes through, he desires us. He wants to be with us. He longs for us. He longs to act for us to come into his presence. He longs for that, that we would engage with him and draw close to him, that we would know him. And, I mean, if you've ever felt that, I don't know, who am I that God would 
want me, who would love me? Who am I that God would accept me? This is kind of the, the prayer that so many of the, the biblical heroes are praying. Like, who, who am I? It's in the Psalms. Who am I? Who am I? That Moses and King David, the prophets, Peter, Paul, that they wouldn't see themselves as these highly figures, but they would see themselves from this place of, woe, who, I'm nothing, but God has loved me and cherishes me. And what he has done in my life and our lives by cherishing and desiring us is so important. It's so important for us to grab a hold of and realize that his desire for us is paramount. That we come to him not just because we need to you know, appease him, but we come to him because he desires us. This is the, the whole gift of grace. The whole gift of what Jesus has done. He came to earth because he wanted to be with us. God wanted to be with us, among us. This is the gift of Jesus. God placing himself into humanity because he desires us. God coming as a servant and laying down his life for people and giving his life. He came to show that he desires us. And so when we come to him, we don't come with this, Oh God, I'm sorry, I haven't been praying or been doing much lately i'm just a bad person god wants us to just go hey he's just glad that you're here he's glad that you're here and so when we come to our time of prayer it's it's not with condemnation but it's with love it's with this loving embrace that god says i'm glad you're here i've 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 longed to, to meet with you again and so what a beautiful picture that when we come to prayer. I don't want to come to prayer going, oh, I'm sorry that I haven't made as much effort as I've said. I want to come to prayer going, God, you love me. You love me. And you desire me. It's just a nice way to approach it. Yeah. Secondly, we see that God will refresh these words that he, Jeremiah declares for an, a people of exile, a people who have been banished, a people who have experienced heartache and, and pain. He says in verse 25, I will satisfy the weary and all who are faint. I will replenish. replenish. And so this weariness of the people of exile is extreme. This weariness of what they would have known would have been intense. But here God is, Jeremiah is declaring that he, God is the one that satisfies. He's the one that brings this replenishing. And in such a time as this, we, we need that message more than ever. We need this message in our culture where people are striving and working, where people are overtired and are burnt out, where people are feeling this heaviness and burden of life through their career or family, through everything that life entails. There is a a heaviness and burden and stress and anxiety that is so prevalent in our world that that is almost, you know, you can grab it, you can see it at work in people, in the people around, in our culture, this tension that is happening through uh, weariness and through stress. What 
we need more than ever right now is the message of Jesus. Come to me, Jesus says. Come to Jesus, all you who are weary, and you will find true rest for your souls. For his burden is light and easy. He wants to actually release us from the burden. When we come to him, there is true rest. True rest, not rest that is just pretend that that our world tries to put on people uh, through our man-made ways of doing it, but true rest that actually it feels like a weight is lifted from us. feels like there's this heaviness that gets dissipated. As we come to him, his presence, his spirit wants to bring true rest that replenishes who we are, that refreshes our life. This is what happens as we come to Him. And so are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you feeling stressed out? God will refresh. God will refresh. God will refresh. And I'm, after this message, I'm, I'm, we're going to have some time of prayer and I really believe God's going to bring a refreshing upon us. His spirit does something that we can't just manufacture. His spirit does something that brings refreshing in life. Thirdly, God will plant. In verse 28, it says, As just as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring evil, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. Just as he's watched over and seen the destruction of humanity, destruction of the people of Israel, where they have chosen their own evil, he will watch over and be a part of a building and planting up process. A process where he guides and he directs that God wants to actually build and plant something anew in us. Where, where we felt like there isn't a path forward, where we felt like, no, this, this is exile time. There's, there's no goodness coming out of this. This is bad. We're going to Babylon. This is not good. God says he will plant He will build up. There is something new that he wants to produce in us, a new fruit that is going to grow in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our difficulty. There is a new fruit that God wants to grow in us. As we come to him, we can believe, God, you're going to plant. It doesn't seem like it right now. It doesn't feel like everything's happening and I feel this is not happening for me. No, God, you will plant. You will plant when it feels like the uncertainty is taking over you. You can declare, God, you will plant. When it feels like there is no direction in your life and you feel like everything you're grabbing at isn't quite working, you can declare, God, you will plant. He's the one that guides us. As we come into places of prayer, there's this sense that he will plant. And I love the imagery of planting in the garden. Not because I like planting in the garden. (laughs) That's not my thing. But because of the imagery of what we see in Genesis. Of this garden. This Eden. That God always brings us back to. This ultimate place of beauty. And I, I, I love gardens. I love the bush. I love It's one of my favorite things to go walking through the bush. Um, and experiencing nature. Uh, and there's just something about it, a garden and the beauty of nature that just it's something comes alive in us. It's like that we get lifted in our spirits because of the, of the beauty of what planting and this new life does. 
and it's spring it's all upon us the flowers are beautiful everything's happening um and this yeah it's 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 beautiful seeing this new life form and this is what i see for us um and particularly in this new time as we're moving into this new space in in saint luke's i see god planting something new in us individually not just us as, as a collective, that is, that's going to happen. But there's something of the planting of a new where this spring life is being formed. Where some of us have felt that there's this difficult tension in our lives happening at the moment. God is going to plant up something new. And this is maybe a, a statement that some of you need to grab a hold of t- tonight, this week. God, you're planting something. It doesn't seem like it right now, but you're planting something. It doesn't feel like something's happening, but you're planting something. You're building something. And just when we try and figure it all out and control our lives and map it all out to the T, God's coming in and bringing something in you, something we didn't expect, something we didn't think was going to happen because he's planting something, not us guys. We can't control it all. We need to let go of that reins of control. I need to let go of the reins of control and just trust God, you're planting this. This is not about me. This is not about how good I am. This is not about me getting everything right. You're planting something. You're planting something, God. So he will plant. Fourthly, lastly, is that God will transform. He will transform. From verse 31, it says, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my law within them and I'll write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. There is a deep work that goes on through God's Spirit in our lives, in our hearts. A deep work of transforming that does it isn't explained by our own efforts, isn't by you getting a better devotion life, it's by His Spirit. There's a transforming by His Spirit. And yes, that may mean that it changes how you do, you know, connect with God. Yes, we can grow in our devotion life, but we think sometimes if we get this and do this, then God will do something in our lives. But it's his spirit that actually is the transforming act. It's his spirit that actually does the work. That's why it's so amazing what Jesus has done. And that's why Paul so often taught, particularly in Romans, of the power of Jesus Christ over the the power of the law. Because what the law did was brought sin into place. What it, it exposed our sin. But what Jesus does is he helps, he empowers us and, and strengthens us to see that it's, it's in our faith in him. It's our trust in him, not from our good works, but just trusting, believing in him, not by how much we can do, but by just stepping out and work, walking our journey with him. He transforms us. Yeah. He changes us. He writes it on our hearts. 
it's the yeah it's the thing that again paul argued in romans is that the jewish people were were like no these these greeks these non-jews need to be following the law because this is how this is a jewish messiah they should be following the law but paul's saying no they actually are following the law but it's written on their hearts it's actually in the way that they live, not just by the, the, the letter of the law, but it's in the way that we live that God changes us. And so what happens as we keep in his presence and are intimate with him, he transforms us. He changes the way that we live. He inscribes who we are. You know, he inscribes who he is on our hearts. And so this week... We've got a week of prayer. There's going to be there's opportunities and just mention so there in the booklet opportunities where we've got some prayer meetings. We've got our first prayer meeting this Wednesday at St Luke's in Maylands. First time we're praying together and gathering at our St Luke's this Wednesday morning at six thirty to seven thirty. Pastor Jace is going to be with us from Hepburn Heights, which will be great. So for those who come, we're going to be starting at six thirty. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we're also going to be doing um, Thursday evening at 7.30 at St. Luke's um, so if you can't do mornings and you can do an evening, Thursday evening would be great um, and then uh, we have a bunch of prayer meetings happening at Hepburn Heights um, uh, written there, some morning early one and a half hour prayer meetings 5.30 starts who are keen to get down there at uh, Hepburn Heights um, and uh, one midday one and some evening ones as well. Um, but I encourage you to check these out and actually plan how can I get into some prayer meetings, even if it's just one during this week. Aim for two. Go for gold. But let's, um, let's actually get into places of prayer where it can shape us. See, these, these prayer meetings aren't the magic you know, bullets. It's not going to fix everything, but it, it can ignite faith in us. It can stir something in you for a passion for him. Um, and even this week, even think about what, what can you fast? What's something that you can give up to go, God, I, I, I hunger for you. Fasting is this way to say, God, I hunger for you over what I want. It's hungering for you. And so this week, let, this be, let there be a space where you believe for God in your world. Um, believe that he can come into the midst of our story and bring life bring life and so if you're lacking that self-confidence if there's something about you tonight that is god who am i i don't deserve that see tonight that see god desires you if you're feeling overwhelmed and weary tonight see god will refresh if you're feeling like there's a lack of direction or there's uncertainty in life see that god will plant something new and if you feel like uh, you're not good enough or you haven't got what it takes see that god's the one that transforms us he's the one that transforms us let these statements be on our lips this week Let these thoughts be in our hearts as we approach this week that let's come and go god i desire you i want you a part of my life i want you a part of who i am I want you in my days. I desire you.